Well, good morning. Welcome to the Blue Lake Presbyterian Church on this uh, third Sunday of Advent. Well, the message this morning is titled, The Messiah. And it's based on John 1, verse 5 through 9, and then a little bit later we'll be talking about 19 through 28. But I'd like to kick it off with something funny. And it was Christmas Eve. Three men were driving on a road zigzagging through the mountains. They were trying to make it on time, on Christmas Eve. So they were possibly driving a little bit too fast. Well, there were some spots with uh, black ice on the road. And in a very sharp corner, they went right off the cliff into a ravine. Next thing they know, before they knew it, the three men are right in front of the pearly gates. St. Peter greets them and says, in the spirit of Christmas, in order to make it to heaven, you need to show something that symbolizes Christmas. So the first man searches through his pockets, and he comes out as a liar. And the man says, this is like a Christmas candle. It presents the light of the world. And he's instantly led through the pearly gates. Then the next man is just uh, going through his pockets, and he pulls out a bunch of keys. And he shakes them loudly. And he says, these keys, they actually depict Christmas bells, and they represent the joy of Christmas. St. Peter says, you also may pass through the pearly gates straight into heaven. Then the third fellow, he's looking around nervously, searching through his coat pocket, and at one point he pulls out a set of women's glasses. Well, St. Peter looks at the man with raised eyebrows. And appears to be a little perplexed and asks, how can these glasses possibly represent anything to do with Christmas? The mayor replies, they are carrots. <laughs> Speaking of carols, our opening hymn this morning was the Christmas classic. Come thy long-expected Jesus. This hymn was actually written all the way back in 1744 by Charles Wesley. Now, nine years earlier, in 1737, Charles, together with his brother John Wesley, traveled from England to America as Anglican missionaries. The ship carried mostly English passengers, but also a group of Moravian immigrants from Germany. And a terrible storm developed in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And they were in danger of being shipwrecked. Now the Moravians were in the midst of a worship service, praising God with much intensity. The Wesley brothers, on the other hand, were terrified. The water broke over the ship, split the mainsail in pieces, covered the ship 
and poured in between the decks. As a great deep, as the great deep of the Atlantic Ocean had already swallowed them up. Then a terrible screaming broke out among the English passengers. But the Moravians calmly kept singing psalms. John Wesley asked them afterwards, Were you and your families not afraid? They answered, I thank God. No, we were not afraid to die. In the darkness of this powerful storm, they kept praising God. Well, the Wesley brothers, their experience on that ship with the Moravians made an unshakable impression on their lives and permanently influenced not only their teaching, but the way they handled times of trial and tribulation. John and Charles Wesley were the founders of what would eventually become the Methodist Church. Charles also wrote wrote thousands of hymns, including a number of Christmas carols, like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and many others. But this morning's opening hymn, Come Thy Long-Expected Jesus, is the theme of today's message. The song was based upon a published prayer with the following words. Born your people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now your gracious kingdom bring. By your own eternal spirit, Rule in all, our hearts alone. By your all-sufficient merit, raise us to your glorious throne. So Charles Wesley adapted this prayer into this hymn in 1744. Now come thy long-expected Jesus is the ultimate depiction of waiting for the Savior to arrive. For centuries, the Jewish people were long expecting and anxiously awaiting the arrival of the Messiah. But what does the Messiah stand for? What does it mean? The literal translation of Messiah, or the Hebrew word Mashiach, means anointed which refers to a ritual of blessing someone by putting holy oil upon it. It's used throughout the Hebrew Bible in reference to a wide variety of individuals, like Jewish kings and priests and prophets. You may ask, what prompted the Jewish people to be waiting for a Messiah? And in Jewish doctrine the term came to refer to a future Jewish king from the line of David, which would be anointed. And it was taken from Psalm 2, verse 2. The term was applied 
in a very special sense to the future ruler who would be sent from God to sit on the throne of David forever. He is the one that God distinctly identified many years ahead of his arrival. Well, the Old Testament is full of prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. Some predictions are more specific than others. And many books have been written on the subject. In his Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy, J. Barton Payne itemized 127 messianic predictions involving more than 3,000 Bible verses. Or author, author Ball Humber in his book Prophecies, Appearances, or Foreshadowing of Christ in the Tanakh, or the Old Testament, he lists 414 passages from the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures from the Garden of Eden in Genesis to Malachi, predicting the Messiah's arrival. Now earlier this morning, Bill read from the book of Isaiah, the 8th century before Christ prophet. The messianic predictions in the book of Isaiah are profound, memorable, and familiar to many. The tenor area we just heard a moment ago from Handel's Messiah is straight from Isaiah 40, verse 4. Now, 700 years later, John the Baptist, quoted from Isaiah 40, when confronted by the priests and the Levites, who were sent from Jerusalem to the place where John was baptizing in the Jordan River. The people at the time of John the Baptist were living in darkness, and they were yearning a deliverer. They were seeking the light. They had a hunger and thirst of the soul. John was called by God to be the forerunner of the Messiah. The one leading the way. The one making the path straight in the desert. And this is what brings us to today's reading in John 1, verses 5 through 9 and verse 19 through 28. And this can be found on page 91 in your pew Bible. And I'll give you a moment to look it up. Starting in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Then we go to verse 19. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. 
And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, When then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom do you not know yet, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. A few weeks ago, the Ferndale Community Choir traveled to New York City and performed Handel's Messiah in Carnegie Hall. This, they were invited by an organization called Distinguished Concert International New York. This organization selects choirs from all around the world to come to New York City. Collectively, 400 singers performed in Handel's Messiah this year on November 26th. Well, the Ferndale Choir was selected based on videos of past performances that are posted on their website. And it was a great honor for the Ferndale Choir to present or to represent Northern California. Well, I sing in the uh, Eureka Presbyterian Church Choir, and, and some of our choir members actually sing also in the Ferndale Choir. And last week, I was talking to them about their trip to New York. And they shared that this was the highlight of their lives. One singer actually fainted during practice, only to be helped up by members of a French choir. Well, she shared with me that performing the Messiah in Carnegie Hall was an experience so surreal that she labeled it as a forerunner of what heaven must be like. In America, Handel's Messiah is the Christmas oratory of choice. It is performed in concert halls throughout the country during the holiday season. But what exactly are they singing? In 1740, Charles Jennings, a Wellesley landowner with musical and literary interest, compiled scriptural text from the King James Bible and put together a chronicle of the life of Christ in what Jennings called the Great Scriptures Collection. 
he sent it to his friend, George Frederick Hendel, and asked that he would lay out his whole genius and skill, and that the composition may excel all previous works. And he called it Messiah. Handel received Jennings' task sometime in July of 1741. He began work on it on August 22nd and completed it by September 14th, 24 days later. Handel was truly moved by the selection of the verses and wrote with breathtaking intensity the soaring and moving musical notes that today is his best known work. At the end of the manuscript, Handel wrote the letters SDG, Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone the glory. This inscription and the incredible speed at which Handel wrote the Messiah would suggest that Handel wrote the music in fervor of a divine inspiration, in which, as he wrote the Hallelujah Chorus, he saw all heaven before him. The Messiah is made up of 55 movements, quoting scripture verbatim, with the majority of the verses coming from the Old Testament including Psalms, Malachi, Zechariah, and of course, 17 verses from Isaiah. Handel's Messiah starts out with three prophetic passages from Isaiah. The second movement is Isaiah, is from Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 3. And this is the exact same scripture that John the Baptist quotes to the priests and the Levites. I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Well, the music that was just played before the, the, the message started a few minutes ago was from the third piece, the third movement of Handel's Messiah. And it was from Isaiah 40, verse 4. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill made low, the crooked straight and the rough places plain. Well, this area takes your imagination to the banks of the River Jordan, as if hearing it straight from the lips of John. The Baptist. A few weeks ago, I was listening to a program called In the Market with Janet Parshall. And she interviewed Michael Redelnik, professor of Jewish studies at the, Bible, at the Moody Bible Institute. And the interview was regarding the passages of Handel's Messiah and about the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. He talked about the oracle of darkness and light in Isaiah 9, verses 2. And in the 11th movement of the Messiah, Charles Jennings selected 
Isaiah 9:2 as the foreshadowing of light after darkness. Jenin's dark night of the soul in his own life was driven by grief of his brother's death. The Bible says in Isaiah 9:2 The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of the shadow of death upon them a light was shined. Oh, in front of us these lilies are called these oriental lilies uh, mixed in here are called candy cane lilies. They are grown in the greenhouses in Arcadia. But in the winter there is not enough light. Not in Arcadia anyway. So we give these lilies additional light with high pressure sodium grow lights. And in the darkness of winters these lilies wouldn't perform without the light. Then at our farm in Oxnard we grow a, a crop called matricaria or some people call it chamomile. And they're mixed in with these red tulips right here in front. Matricaria is a plant that needs long days to flower. And since we grow this crop year round, it requires additional light once the days get shorter in the winter. Well, when we started growing this crop matricaria many years ago in Oxnard, um, we didn't give it enough light in the first winter. And I vividly remember a crop we had planted for Valentine's Day. And the crop was getting taller and taller and taller, but no flowers. No flowers without the light. Well, folks, so it is with us in our lives. Without light, we live in darkness. Jesus said in John 8:12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. Let the light of Jesus shine and overcome the darkness of depression. Let the light shine and overcome the darkness of violence and mass killings in our country the darkness of a troubling medical condition let the light overcome the darkness of the opioid crisis in america the darkness of drug and alcohol abuse in families in the workplace in society in general the darkness of escalating mortgages and student loan debts let the light shine and overcome the darkness of the soul we are craving and seeking light in our lives in the middle of that storm in the atlantic ocean In 1737 Charles and John Wesley saw darkness 
They were terrified. But the light of Jesus Christ was shining in the hearts and souls of those Moravians. John wrote, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. John the Baptist came to testify to the light, so that all may believe through him. The true light of Jesus Christ, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Folks, this is the beauty of the gospel. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, so that everyone that believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus, the Messiah, our Savior, King of kings, Lord of lords, came into a dark world to bring light, hope, and salvation. Many folks are thirsty and hungry of the soul. They are longing for light in the darkness. Just like this matricaria would not flower without light. We need the light. And we can find it in Jesus Christ. Are you lost in a dark world? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Make a decision today. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Let him bring light into the darkness and accept him as Lord and Savior. Jesus offers to everyone the possibility of eternal life, a free gift to all. Friends, let the good news of the gospel fill our hearts and enrich our souls. Let our cups be filled with the grace and glory of God. Believe and the light will shine. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.